Today is Palm Sunday, and in fact, this week is often referred to as Holy Week. So I wanted to talk with my friend Tyler Hawley about Holy Week, emphasizing a few of the most significant days along the way, and talking about what they mean and how maybe we should respond to these days as Christians as we approach uh, Easter otherwise known as Resurrection Sunday. So Tyler, thanks for being willing to sit down and chat about Holy Week. It's good to be here. And I know on one level, this is probably just an excuse for you and I to chat and spend some time talking since I haven't been able to see you for a couple of weeks. Mostly, yeah. Um, But I also really do think that this conversation could help people in our church and and help us as we consider what's going on this week and what historically has been celebrated during Holy Week. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this has been like the most important, this is the highlight of the church calendar, right? It's, every, it's like everything's been working up to what's going to happen this week. Yeah, and particularly for people who celebrate Lent, uh, yeah. this is the final week of Lent, and as, as people have been spending you know, 40 days or so thinking about the sin and mourning and suffering with Christ. I think that this week is one where whatever they gave up for Lent or whatever they've been thinking about kind of transitions to a rejoicing in the gift that we receive through Jesus Christ. So yeah, uh, we're, this... we're definitely all hurting right now. I mean, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a long time since Lent started and we've, we've been fasting for a while. And so we're just, our bodies are like ready to enter into the celebration. Well, that's that's good. And I, I know some don't celebrate Lent and some do. Yeah. And if you don't, I wrote a little bit of an article called Baptist Musings on Lent or something like that, that you might find interesting or um, at least interesting to talk about whether or not you agree. Yeah. But, but I think that as we come into this Holy Week, it's really good for us to be able to talk about what these mm-hmm. days mean. And even if um, we... in the tradition that I'm a part of, our our Baptist tradition, even if we tend to maybe underemphasize these things, I think we all have friends and neighbors who are part of Christian traditions that emphasize them a lot more. And so it's good for us to at least be aware of what's going on so that way we can talk to them uh, in a meaningful and understanding way. Mm. So today is Palm Sunday. And uh, for those who are part of our church, Josh preached Mark 11, a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, we didn't line things up well to where Palm Sunday would be preached on Palm Sunday. So Tyler, maybe you can fill us in a little bit. What is Palm Sunday? And um, how you're you're a member of an Anglican church. How do Anglicans celebrate Palm Sunday? Well, the traditions vary all over the place, but Palm Sunday is... um, is the start of Holy Week, and it's the start of tracing the final week of Christ. Um, so in in the gospel narratives, we have um, this scene of Christ entering into Jerusalem, and all the people are throwing down their coats, and they're throwing down palm branches, um, and, and, and Jesus is marching in on a donkey, and uh, they're saying, Hosanna in the highest, right? They're, they're, they're proclaiming him as, as the heir of, of King David, so it's there's a, this kind of kingly element of Christ uh, coming into the holy city and coming into a place in order to sit on his throne, and the people seem to, uh, at least at this point, be uh, um, eager for that to happen. So we're, it's 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 a mix of in the midst of Lent where it's it's a lot of sorrow and repentance. You have this happy moment at, at Palm Sunday right before this immense downturn 
that happens uh, soon after. Yeah. Now, I, I think this is interesting, and maybe this isn't historically verifiable or something, but if you Google Jerusalem donkey, you you <laughs> can see a picture of a donkey that has, you know, the coloring of the donkey is a cross on its back. And I, I don't know if this is good biblical studies or bad biblical studies, but good. when I think of Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem, I, I just think that this cross imagery is significant, or if not significant, at least interesting. I, yeah, we have no way of verifying that, but I think it's interesting. Uh, I, the significant element of, and as you know, the significant element of, of Christ riding on a donkey is he's riding in as a king, uh, proclaiming peace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's uh, it is significant that he's on a donkey, and it's significant that um, that people are throwing down palm branches. Um, but he's he's proclaiming a gospel of peace, and so he rides in on a donkey, not on a mighty stallion war horse. Yeah. So, and that's yeah, that's definitely part of the symbolism. Yeah, and of course, there's Old Testament fulfillment, right? With yeah. uh, with riding in on the colt. Um, yeah, and do you know? Do you know the? Is it there's a um, there's a prophet who talks about um, the waving of uh, the, the Yahweh coming on the the on the branches. There's something about that there as well. I'm forgetting it. It's not on the top of my head right now. I'm not going to be able to remember it. But nevertheless, that's also part of the fulfillment. I mean, there's if you look at the the um, prophets, then uh, there's lots of connections to what's happening here mm-hmm. with Jesus coming into the holy city. Because the holy city is where is where the king was always supposed to sit, and so the fact that that it seems like all of Jerusalem's gathering it seems like Christ is going to sit on his throne finally. Yeah, yeah. You you have you know as we would say the greater son of David who is coming into Jerusalem and um, a lot of significance there. Yeah. And I I generally think of Palm Sunday as a really happy occasion. Yeah. And and I think that's right on one level. Mm. Um, but what I think is interesting is that even though sometimes we act it out by, you know, having children cut out palm leaves and all of these sorts of yeah. things, it seems to me that the very people who were welcoming Jesus into the city were the ones who abandoned him. And um, mm-hmm. while it was a happy occasion, it's all, it also seems like it's a bit of an indictment against the faith of of those people and, and even... Uh, their messianic expectations. Yeah. And and what I think is helpful about that, even as we rejoice on Palm Sunday and and it's a happy day if we can put it that way, it's a reminder I think that we sometimes have wrong expectations of who Jesus should be. Um, yeah. both now and then. Um, and is perhaps a call to faith as well. Yeah, no there's lots of there's lots to um pull out of what you just said, but I think one key thing is that we on this side of the resurrection, this side of the cross, we see that that when Christ was marching into Jerusalem, taking up his throne, we realized that the wooden throne that he sat upon was the cross, mm-hmm. right? And so um, the God that we serve is, is the kind of king who marches triumphantly towards his death. And I think that's significant for us to think about. Like, where when it comes to Palm Sunday, you're thinking about Christ entering into Jerusalem in order to take up um, all that was rightfully His. But it's also we I mean, we know what happens. So we we know that the kind of kingdom He's coming to establish is one where the lowly are lifted up, where um, uh, the truly great are those who serve and who sacrifice themselves. Mm-hmm. And so these are all 
elements of Palm Sunday. And so there, in the same way that you can be like really excited to, uh, um, I don't know, go serve someone in some particular way. So, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, rake the leaves off some old lady's lawn or something like that. Like you can be really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that, that is the kind of feeling that should be drummed up at, uh, Palm Sunday is it's, it's, this is the King that we serve. Um, and we need to begin the process of following in his footsteps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we move then to Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think these days, we know, I don't think we know everything that happened on these days. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, I think they're just referred to as like Holy Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Yep. And obviously, you know, for for our church, Josh, Josh has been preaching through Mark. And so you have a few temple encounters, mm-hmm. and then we come to the destruction of the temple prophecy, some of these sorts of things. And there seems to be an increasing condemnation of the religious system. But other than that, what do we really know about Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? Well, yeah, in the the gospel accounts, it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, you know that he's, um, he's as you said, condemning the, the, um, the teaching that was going on in Jerusalem. He basically comes and says that, you know, the temple's going to go down. It's going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he also curses the fig tree in the gospel reading as well. Symbolic of of all of Israel has failed to produce fruit. And so uh, and God is going to destroy it. And then oddly enough, instead of destroying Israel, he destroys you know yeah, God's son. He spoke of Jesus his body. Christ. He spoke of his own self. Yeah, exactly. Um, as far as uh, how Western Christianity has uh, celebrated these three days, um, there's been a there's kind of an increased reading and kind of in different prayer times and things like that um, of these gospel passages that kind of uh, reiterate what Christ was doing during this time. But then also you have a very special service on uh, Wednesday night that's it's called Spy Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So this is Spy Wednesday um, in reference to Lazarus who was um, betraying uh, Jesus. And uh, there's this this service. Um, forgetting the exact Latin name for it, but it's a candlelight service where um, it's always done at night and there's uh, 12 candles and, uh, or there's 13 candles. And then slowly as different gospel passages are read, the candles are gradually ignited or um, snuffed out until there's only one remaining, symbolizing that that Jesus was left all alone. He he was left with no uh, comfort and with no... um, uh, no friendship was around him. He really goes to the cross all alone. Mm. And so that's that's probably the 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 one of the main things that happens um, as far as how the, the church as Western Christians have celebrated the first three days of of Holy Week. Yep. Now I think you said Lazarus's intent to betray Jesus, but I think you meant Judas. Oh, exactly. Um, that's right. But Lazarus was, you know. Raised from the dead. Uh, Different guy altogether. But Judas, you know, interestingly enough, you know, it seems like he's he's hearing all these condemnations of the scribes and everyone else. But I think maybe he wanted just to step into their role and he's learning Jesus is doing something totally different. Um, Yeah. So we get to Thursday. And mm. this word is a really hard one to pronounce for me yeah. for some reason, but Maundy Thursday. Yeah, Maundy. Talk, talk to us about what that word is and what the day is um, identifying. Yeah, so I actually thought that people were saying Monday, Thursday for for quite a while. Which makes no sense. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense, Monday, Thursday. Um, but Maundy Thursday 
um, is it comes from the Latin word um, mandatum, which is where we get the word mandate. So it's it's uh, named after when uh, Christ at the last when he's instituting the Last Supper, he meets in the in the upper room with his disciples. He gives them a final command. He says, "This one commandment I give to you, and that's to love one another." Um, and so this this last commandment, this mandate, becomes what we celebrate on Monday Thursday. Mm-hmm. So uh, traditionally in Monday serv- uh, Monday Thursday services, then uh, Christians in the Western world um, and even in the Eastern world will. Uh, get together for uh, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you want to call it, and um, they um, they celebrate just loving one another. Mm-hmm. So the it's usually part of the service. It's usually part of uh, the scriptures that are read. Um, and then traditionally, this is also um, the one time during the year where the the church practices foot washing. So mm-hmm. oftentimes, uh, just like Jesus did, right at the at the uh, in the upper room where he yeah, the washes John. everyone's account yeah, yeah yeah in the john account so um so normally the uh um the pastor or the um whoever's leading the service would would have picked 12 people and um would uh wash their feet during the service as kind of a sacramental sign of of the picture of how christ um sir has come to serve us and to love us and 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 that's why we celebrate this meal together is that we're we're trying to build fellowship with one another and um and we need to participate in that. We need to do that ourselves. Yeah, and that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that this day emphasizes the John uh, 17, the prayer for Christ's people prayer. to be one, correct, yeah. and sort of an emphasis on on unity of people in Christ. And I think this day is maybe helpful that there are Christians all over the world from different backgrounds who look at this day. And it, it's a reminder that on the final day, we will be one in Christ. And whatever disagreements or differences we might have, there's there's going to be a, a bringing together of everything so that Christ is all in all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the that is the prayer of the, the high priestly prayer, right, that we call it in John 17, um, that, that that we would be one even this Jesus prays this that we would be one even as he says I and the father are one. Mm-hmm. So there's almost like there's a there's a trinitarian like deification of the church that's prayed for there right that that we're very far from um especially um in in uh, American Protestantism. Mm-hmm. Well we move then to Good Friday and I would imagine that of all of the days of Holy Week maybe outside of Palm Sunday, mm. um, I think Good Friday is probably the, one of the most well-known. Sure. And um, when we were growing up together in our town, that was pretty heavily Catholic, I think. Mm-hmm. I remember our Baptist Bible College instructing us not to play outside on the quad because we wanted to be respectful to Catholics who were celebrating Good Friday. Yeah. And there were some churches in our area Baptist churches even, that would have Good Friday services. Um, so what is Good Friday, and why is this such a significant day? Well, the word good in English, actually one of the original meanings from long ago meant pious, and so it's just pious or holy Friday. Um, we call it Good Friday, and it, it's it's taken on additional meanings as we as the language has changed, as the word good has come to mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's come to mean more strongly uh, the aspect of like positivity, like this is like something positive that's mm-hmm. happening, um, which has also kind of increased the paradox of what happens, right? Because this and on Good Friday we we celebrate the death of Jesus, like the the uh, brutal slaughter of the God Man, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so when we um, when we celebrate this, it's really um, 
it's a pious time. It's a dark time. Um, we don't u- usually celebrate the Lord's Supper during uh, Good Friday. Oftentimes, uh, the clergy are wearing black, like the there's you know maybe black or red hanging around the auditorium or or whatever you call your worship space. I mean, this is a time where you're really entering into the into the darkness of the situation because you know the mm-hmm. point of Holy Week um, is to recapitulate or to replay Christ's life. And the point of that is to um, is to become more like Christ ourself, is that as, um, as Christ moved forward throughout the week in love for the world, he took, he went further and further into death. And that's the, the pattern we have to play out in our own lives, is that, that we always have to be constantly embracing uh, our own death, our own um, diminishment for the sake of others. And that's where we really find true happiness. And so to call it Good Friday is, is um, it's a call to all of us to embrace our own death, to take up our own cross. Oftentimes Friday is also, Good Friday is also the time where uh, people do the uh, Stations of the Cross. So, uh, or they ha- they'll have sometimes Stations of the Cross uh, services. Um, and the Stations of the Cross is like 14 uh, different, stops stations is just the latin word for stops so you you go and you you see a different uh moment where christ uh maybe drops his cross or where he starts to pick up his cross and and you, and you try to rehearse these things in your mind and through meditation uh striving to become like that one who took up his cross um all for the sake of of us being more readily able to take up our own cross, uh, following in his example. And so this is a really transformative day and it's a transformative day in a, in a way of re- repentance and, um, recapitulation, even within our own minds as we replay the stories. Yeah. It's maybe a call to take up that cruciform life. Yeah. Uh, that, that Christ demonstrated. So then we move from good Friday to Saturday yeah. And um, what what happens Saturday? Well, Saturday is um, is a day of Sabbath in the Hebrew calendar, and so this is where Christ finally enters into his rest, so to speak, where he has descended, he has died, and he has descended all the way into the grave. Um, the creed says that he descended into hell. Yeah, he, I guess depending on how you translate it, though, because sure. I was re- recently looking at that, yeah. and I sort of think. Hades sure. might be a better translation. Yeah, well, some some would suggest that that you know, as you suggest, Hades is like the the, the realm of the dead. I think what's important there is that, that there's a kind of a grand cosmological vision of salvation, right? That like at, in the beginning, God uh, sent forth in His eternal Word creation. He created the world um, by His creation. He sent it out, and the the goal of creation was to come back to God, was mm-hmm. to to kind of be in this encircling movement of God's outgoing and God's incoming. Um, but with the fall, everything messes up. It, it, it seems like uh, it seems like not when when the world goes out from God, it's never going to come back. And so God sends His Son. He unites His Son. He unites His 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 person to matter to all of creation through the incarnation in order to, by His life, bring it back again. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order for that to be really hopeful, he needs to enter as far away as you possibly can from God, and that is into the grave. Because as you know, I mean, because of the fall, we all are born with one foot in the grave already. 
And in order for Christ to really bring us back, he needs to go to the farthest places that we've ever gone. And that's to death itself. Uh, you see recapitulations of this in the, or that's not the right word, recapitulation, but you see examples of this in the, um, uh, in the prophets where um, prophets, uh, God is speaking through the prophets saying, no matter how far your exiles go, I'm going to bring these exiles back. And if that's going to be true on a cosmological level, it means that, that, that Jesus has to enter into the grave fully in order to bring all of creation back to God, in order to bring all of us back to God. And uh, so this Holy Saturday is uh, extremely important for that reason. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the Apostle John picks us up in Revelation, where he talks of Christ as the one who has ironically conquered. There's a yeah. conquering of death by experiencing death. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can forget how significant it is that Jesus died, the yeah. the one who is life, you know, who yeah. the the same author records I Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for the life to experience death, there's something paradoxical there and something that I think is really beyond our total understanding. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously significant. Yeah, I mean he takes he takes death into himself so as to make it non-existent, mm-hmm. right? This is why death loses its sting, as we we sing sometimes. You know, the it, what he also does is he makes death into a doorway to greater life. Like he he completely undoes what death should be, and that is uh, a drifting farther and farther away, so as to never return to God. Mm-hmm. And he completely turns it upside down. He enters it in order to flip it back around, so that now death becomes. A, a, an entry rate into uh, gr- greater nearness to God, right? This is why we take up our cross because by dying to ourselves, we become alive to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and and I think that um, when we were in college, mm-hmm. we were maybe sensing the importance of this day without really realizing the fullness of what we were sensing. Mm-hmm. And so we had a friend named Shane who orchestrated this. But maybe talk, maybe we can just talk a little bit about how we would observe this day uh, during our college years. Yeah, I mean, from my memory, and correct me if I'm wrong, then uh, our friend Shane would invite us to his house and we would just read the the gospel passages of Jesus uh, being crucified. And we would stop at the resurrection and we would just wait. We would just allow ourselves to sit in that. Um, and then at our respective churches, because we went to different churches at that time, um, would would then go in to celebrate Easter in the in the resurrection, but it was good for us to enter into the death, so to speak, to enter into the 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 moment of longing and expectation. Yeah, that's exactly right. I I remember reading these accounts of Jesus suffering and dying, and then it felt like we should keep reading, but but I think it was right for us not to. And then I think on a couple of occasions, your brother Mitch and I went somewhere and watched most of the Passion of the Christ film, mm-hmm. I think minus the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I remember multiple years going to bed at night thinking, the resurrection's coming tomorrow. Yeah. And, and this is like sad and sort of gruesome, but, but I need to give it time and let that sink in. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that often gets missed as we approach Easter. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, you know, Easter Resurrection Sunday is one of my favorite holidays, more than Christmas even. And there can be a way of anticipating that. That's all excitement. But yeah. I think there needs to be maybe 
less than just excitement or more than just excitement. I think yeah. I think there needs to be a sense of mourning and, and recognition of death is is this reality that Christ has entered into. Yeah, I mean like you're 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 putting your finger right on I think um the purpose of Holy Week, right? It's it's we we all know the resurrections here. And and some some Christians I've heard before say like why do we need to be all sad and gloomy during like the Christ raised from the dead? Why are we acting like he, he, he didn't? And, you know, at different points in our life, um, different aspects of the gospel shine forth to us. Sometimes we are, we got the new job that we wanted. You know, we just got married. There's all kinds of happy things and we have a kind of resurrection in our life, but sometimes we lose that job and things happen. And, uh, trials come our way, and we need a God who, who is not untouched by the feelings of our infirmities. We need to we need to know that there's a God who has embraced death, um, and and so that when whenever we're embracing our own death, even death that we're not choosing, the the, the trials and pains and suffering, that there was a God who hung on a cross, mm-hmm. um, with as much uh, nuancing as we would need to be able to say that God hung on a cross. We um, we still need to know that. We still need to know, um, and and so entering into that, it's there's an element of um, not just the ability to uh, take up our own cross, but also the the comfort of God knows. He knows what you're going through, and He knows where you're at right now. Yeah, and I think maybe in particular this year, for most of us who have just never experienced long periods of hardship. I, I really do think as overblown as it is sometimes, COVID has actually produced a lot of hardship. Mm. And last year, we did not get to meet as a church on Resurrection Sunday. And and there are people in, in the church who have lost jobs and who have had relatives who have passed away, who have experienced a lot of hard things. And I think being able to say that Jesus knows he he's experienced this and more and to be able to take some time to think in that way is really, really important. And, and to be able to mourn rightly as as Jesus's closest followers and, and relative, you know, his mother. I, I just think there are so many pieces of mourning and facing death that get overlooked because we sanitize death. We never, you know, most a lot of people have never seen somebody die. Yeah, and so to to be able to take some moments and reflect on that, I I think is really good, and I think what Shane led us to do in college was has been really influential. After college, I've done that on a number of occasions with people, and every time it's been a very spiritually enriching, um, though sombering sort of experience. Yeah, and there's also a sense of like we need to we we don't want to overjoyfulize our life you know in, in not just in pain and suffering but also like the real sin that we continue to do and mm-hmm. so there's a sense in which um a certain kind of christianity can be always eager to uh to talk about how forgiven we are and there's a there's a place for that and we need that but there's also a sense of uh, there's also the need for us to realize how much we sin and how much uh we need that forgiveness and how much we need to like reckon with the fact that we continually run. We're, we're like that creation that, that almost didn't come back to God. And sometimes we keep lapsing back and we keep running away from him. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And for this worship cl- 
Bible class that we're doing at church, I've been doing a little bit of kind of church history reading. And if prior to the Reformation, maybe there was the unbalanced side of um, always thinking too much about the fact that we're sinners, mm-hmm. I, I, and, and maybe being mournful and like not figuring out that there's freedom in Christ and, and release and forgiveness from sin. I think maybe in our day, there's maybe too much of an unbalanced unthinking about our sinful condition and maybe too quickly jumping to Easter, to, to resurrection. And um, we've we've been trying to work on this in, as a church as we've been including in, in services— corporate confessions of sin, where we we confess through responsive readings and then um, affirmation of forgiveness and these sorts of things. So I, I think stopping on Saturday and letting that Saturday be Saturday is a really good thing, and I think Holy Week helps us there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that um, there's also an element, and again, maybe I'm just reiterating, but there's also an element of um, in the in the tradition of looking at your own sin but then looking at Jesus hanging on the cross and and in realizing that that he the love that's demonstrated there that even in the midst of my sin and and that can that can move one to greater love so it's not just that you've already been forgiven but that on the cross Jesus Christ actually knows mm-hmm. of your sin he knows and yet what does he do he looks at the crowd and says father forgive them which is exactly what he does to us father forgive them they don't know what they do. They, if they truly understood how much they were running away from God, they never would mm-hmm. do this. Yeah. I I think that, you know, one thing Dan Miller from Eden said that has stuck with me is if you're if you're ever questioning God's love for you, look at Jesus on the cross because that's that's proof beyond everything else. And and that's what we get here. But but it is good to move on to the next day yeah. because that's where our hope is, right? In in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, yeah. and we call this Easter Sunday regularly. Well, and, and not to interrupt you, but to interrupt. But you. you're going yeah, to interrupt. But interrupt is fine. The, the uh, you actually you you miss a step. Yikes! You miss a step because on 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 Saturday you also have the Easter vigil. Okay, yeah. Talk to me about Easter vigil. I I kind of googled this and saw Easter vigil in okay. that. Eh, no. I've never thought about Easter this Vigil. This is the most important service of the year. Okay, so then I've missed yeah. the, the climax of Holy Week. You've missed the climax of Holy Week. I mean, Easter Sunday is a glorious time, but Easter Vigil is where we really celebrate it. Okay, talk to us about Easter Vigil, and this is going to be 100% new to me, other than when I Googled Holy Week day names, yeah. and Easter Vigil showed up. So Easter Vigil is the longest service of the year. It's usually three to four hours. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, my, I think it was three and a half hours last time I was at Easter Vigil, um, pre-COVID, so okay. two years ago during Easter. Um, and it's... Uh, so the, the church calendar follows the Hebrew calendar, which means uh, that a day starts the evening prior so the, the, the Easter starts officially Saturday night, which is why Easter Vigil, as the sun is going down, we um, we sell, we start we begin the celebrations of Easter. That's also when your fast stops if you're fasting for Lent. Um, but for Easter Vigil, it always starts with the uh, it, the lights are off, and there there's this uh, the service of candles. I think it's oftentimes what it's called. Everyone in the congregation gets a candle. Everything is lit. Or they they slowly light their candles, um, and it's the idea that that the that something 
is crazy happening right here. Oftentimes the the clergy will stay at, stand at the back of the church and everything will be dark and silent and all of a sudden there'll be these loud like clappings on the door. Mm. A symbolic of uh, Jesus breaking the tomb open. And then the then the, the 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 clergy will begin to process forward with candles lighting the candles of all the other uh, congregants who are in the room and will all eventually have lit candles and will stand there and then someone will sing what's called the exultant. Okay. So the exultant is like a 10 minute song. It's ginormous. Um and uh, it's one of my favorite songs of uh in all of the world but also in church history. And there's this continual refrain like on this night, on this night, on this night. Okay. And uh, and it, it 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 starts from the Old Testament and it's continually talking about on this night. It's like on this night, um, our forefathers were brought out of the land of Egypt. On this night, uh, the exiles were brought home. Mm. On this night, Abraham was offered, or uh, Adam was offered the first uh, gospel story. Did I say Adam? Adam is the person I meant. Um, and and then on this night, Jesus rose from the dead. Mm. So there's this uh, by calling it this night, it's 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 doing that thing where we're all uh, two thousand years after Christ, but making sure you remember like it's on this night, like this is when it happened. We can celebrate it now. Um, there's a bringing, there's a blending of times that happens, um, such that Easter is is celebrated right now, and. Uh, um, yeah, so it's it, it, usually in an Easter vigil, it's so long because you rehearse the entire Bible. So you start in the Old Testament, you start from the fall, and all the different, uh, there's usually like, uh, you know, 12 different scripture readings where you're reading huge chunks of different aspects of the biblical narrative with the goal, obviously, of the climax being the resurrection of mm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you for helping us know about yeah, the you, vigil here. Um, I I think that's good and and important. And um, I I don't know how many churches have vigils services. You know, I I guess you know I've never been part of a church that does. Does your church? Yeah. So it's it's a. In, it's very common in Western Christianity. I mean, Eastern Christianity as well, but they celebrate Easter at a different week than we yep. do. Um, but it, it, particularly in Western Christianity. Um, so any any church with a uh, maybe higher church uh, liturgical tradition would, would probably celebrate the um, Easter vigil. Okay. Well, then we get to Easter. Yeah. Which celebrates the resurrection of Jesus. I don't think it's bad to say Easter Sunday. Yeah. Um, I know there are pagan roots maybe to the the language of Easter, but... I don't even know um, those. Well, yeah, it's interesting. You could yeah. Google it, I suppose. It's not worth getting into here. I prefer the term resurrection Sunday, but okay. I, I think Easter Sunday is fine as well. Sure. But, um, that's where we celebrate the resurrection. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't think it's bad for parents to have Easter egg hunts or something like that. Sure. You know, sure, that's fine. But what we're really focusing on is Jesus rising from the dead. Yeah. Well, I I think, you know, like Christmas, where, you know, at Christmas, you want to turn everything into stuff, right? Like you want to turn, because God, who is spirit, became stuff. He became like material creation. And so, um, in the person of a man. And so, uh it, it was good to make everything stu- uh, stuff in, in, in Christmas. Uh, in Easter, there's a similar aspect, but it's more the element of like stuff has been reaffirmed. Like mm-hmm. it's not that it, 
if Christ had not come, then all matter, all of creation would have just gone away into nothingness. Mm-hmm. But because of creation, everything is new again. Be- I mean, because of resurrection, everything is new again, because resurrection is new creation, yeah. right? And so... Um, it's it's definitely not bad to celebrate to do Easter Easter red hugs like give gifts like do all kinds of things that are uh, celebratory because this is the reaffirmation of the world as not doomed for um, for emptiness doomed for the the grave but actually reaffirmed yeah and this is conservative evangelical theology Jesus yeah. rose bodily from the dead so yeah. we don't just affirm a spiritual resurrection we affirm a bodily resurrection. And I think N.T. Wright has a great passage on this in his little book, Surprised by Hope, Mm -hmm. on uh, celebrating Easter, but then carrying Easter beyond just Easter Sunday, but to to a whole season of Easter. And I -hmm. I think that's right. And um, I I like that emphasis on Jesus's resurrection is an inbreaking of the new creation. It's Mm -hmm. the first of its kind, but it's a promise of what's going to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's key to turn Easter not just into a day, a day, but also a season. And in the church mm-hmm. calendar, it is a season, um, but uh, it's it's we don't want to make it into that like almost like what the world has turned Christmas into, and that's yep. like a day of celebration. Go back to your humdrum of, of living your life. Like no, like there's a couple of weeks here where like give gifts. You know, every week, every Sunday from during the the season of Easter, like give gifts to people and and uh, celebrate. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Well, as we come to a close here, I want to just um, give two recommendations, and then I want to read a short section of the Nicene Creed that uh, talks about Jesus. So the first recommendation is a a little book by Andreas Kostenberger and Justin Taylor called The Final Days of Jesus, The Most Important Week of the Most Important Person Who Ever Lived. And I think if you're looking for a good resource on just tracking through the days of Holy Week, you can get this on Kindle for just (laughs) $4.99. I'd buy that. Yeah, I'm not. That's a great commercial. Yeah, yeah, we're not sponsored. We get no money from this, but I think it's a great little book for someone who would like to just focus their thoughts on the different days leading up to Easter Sunday. Uh, But then also, the Gospel Coalition website has a nice little companion video thing for each day of the week where a guy, where Justin Taylor kind of talks through just for a few minutes each day what's going on there. So last year, I got back on social media around March, and my first post were just every day of Holy Week posting one of these videos, and I plan to do that again. So um, I, I think it's great to go on the, the website there and, and just watch these videos as we try to think about what Holy Week means. But let me end our time here by just reading a section from the Nicene Creed that talks about Jesus. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, the one begotten from the Father before all the ages, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things came into being, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and became flesh by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became man and was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. 
and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. Tyler, thanks for talking about Holy Week with us today, and um, I pray that you will have a wonderful Holy Week as you think about Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Yeah, I pray the same for your congregation and for you.